Coming up this week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss a mammoth scam, telecopia used to scam people on online marketplaces. Next up, I get the NIST of it. NIST publishes the first draft standards for post-quantum cryptography. And of course, our fun game, Gold Guidance and Grievances. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 165, recorded on August 28th, 2023. I'm your co-host, Callie, Mountain Nist Fencil, and with me is co-host Taylor, Needs a Telecopying Mechanism, Wilkes Pierce, and last but not least, Tim, I get Nisty Helming. Welcome, everybody. Hello, hello. Hey, team. Good to good to have the gang back. It's our yeah. it's the last week of August. That's hard to believe. How I did know. that happen? I know. Are you? Are I would you... like it just to roll over to approximately June, yep. and let's just do that again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Is fall in the air in Seattle? Well, it's certainly grayer and cooler today than it's been. Oh yeah. The last few days. Oh wow! It's a uh, it. So, yeah, if listeners do not know, I'm in the Midwest, and it is uh, noticeably cooler today. It really, It's feeling like fall. So hmm. that's – but, you know, uh, it's it's a trick because next week it'll be in the 90s again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So I'm, you get fake fall. We get fake spring. Do you really? What's <laughs> yeah. that like? Oh, yeah. Every year there's like a couple of nice days in early April, and then <laughs> – <laughs> immediately it's just followed enough by to like, break your heart yeah oh, like six weeks of, of misery <laughs> in january oh. this year we didn't i think we didn't no, get we as got much lucky. january this was a pretty Not. decent june in, in seattle june is usually pretty miserable yeah i feel like things kicked off in may and, and have been great yeah. ever since yeah which we needed because we had just the most wretched miserable earlier spring oh i'm sorry <laughs> this week on weather convention. I know. Look, it just it toughens us up. That's all. That's why I yeah. tell my kids. That's get right. out there. It'll just toughen you up. You'll be fine. That's Does it. the Pacific Northwest do you get like fall foliage? Yeah. Like is we, it yeah, is we, it's like a spe- is it a spectacular thing no, to like no. look at? No. Okay. Not, no, only maybe in some isolated spots, but Yeah. Mm. yeah we more. have so many evergreen trees that uh the it's just not a thing. Bright colors are dotted in between them. But, you know, there's okay. occasional, there there are parks and whatnot where there are um, concentrations of those leafy trees and that those can be real nice. Okay. Uh, Our flip side of that is we get, we get all the cherries in the, in the spring. Yeah. Ooh, right. you, ooh, you do? Oh, yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that. Over a little ways across the mountains, uh, there's a little town called Ellensburg for folks who aren't uh, familiar with Washington geography and uh in that area they have there's a lot of deciduous trees for whatever reason and so they've they've got nice fall colors over there Ooh, very good i just as i just ask because selfishly i i still feel like i have not seen seattle and i was wondering if fall is a good time to come or or maybe not i don't know summer is just so much <laughs> summer's better. the best well, fall yeah. can be a cheap time to come because <laughs> yeah fall fall you, we get into the big 
the big gloomy darkness. Yeah, we all start to hide inside of the fall. <laughs> I see. Okay, well, I... I mean, some people love that, but I don't understand those people. <laughs> I don't think those are my people. <laughs> I try to be one every year, you know? Oh. I'm like, this is my year. I'm going to really enjoy this, and then... <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's fine. That's okay. That's okay. Well, should we talk about some articles? Why not? Yeah. Why, why not? Well, that's why we're here. Definite articles or indefinite articles? I'm I'm good with you. We could really. we could do that. Uh, we can. Uh, well, so last week uh, we kicked things off with Tim. So this week we'll kick things off with Taylor. We. Uh, yeah. So uh, so we're looking at a mammoth scam, which is um, an article regarding the analysis of a Telegram bot that helps cyber criminals scam people uh, on online marketplaces. So Taylor, this article uh, from We Live Security mentioned. Actually, this is the second. The we second week in a row, yeah, we so love them. We love We Live Security. <laughs> Are you getting some kickback? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, just, I thought it was a fascinating article. A nice deep dive. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah. No judgment. I'm just like, oh, okay. Second <laughs> second week in a row. Maybe in a week after, we'll, or next week, we'll we'll do three. Actually, you know what? Next week we have a guest episode. So Ooh, sorry, said we'll, team. Yeah, it'll be two weeks from now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so second week of We Live Security, uh, they mentioned that the source code of this toolkit they discovered uh, shows that scammers don't need to be well-versed in IT. They just need to have the charm to persuade their victims. Uh, so I wanted to ask, you know, um, you know, know, knowing that, like, what, what implications do you see moving forward uh, in the combination of AI, ChatGPT, Warm GPT tools, you know, like providing the charm along with these you know, e- easy to use uh, toolkits. Yeah, you know, it is it is really interesting because they, they mentioned here that the you know the majority of the victims and the targets here are Russian or in uh, RIS areas. So, like the you know, it's certainly like there's a cultural part to this where, hey, you've got to have folks who are close to the folks that you're scamming and can um, kind of speak the lingo there, (laughs) as it were. Uh, And so, you know, I think obviously with LLMs and and, um, the ability to kind of conjure that up out of essentially nothing uh, for a few CPU cycles, perhaps, then, you know, that allows this to scale. And you can see a lot in the different, toolkits of this little telecopier bot thing that they've got here where you know they it's just you can see the spots where they're just going to plug this stuff in and augment it with um you know not just llm for the chat side but also you know generative image predict you know production for you know fake documents and and uh, invoices and checks and stuff they're already starting to do some of that but you can see that, that it's you know uh, once they have the ability to do so they can clearly slot that in pretty easily Oh boy, it's get it's getting rough out there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so the tool, so that toolkit I mentioned, um, uh, it's called Telecopie, uh, which I did have to ask how to pronounce that because copie is a Russian word. Um, but can you share with our audience, you know, s- some of the history behind that name? Yeah, so this is again the ISA team coming with uh, like 
information on groups that have been around for a while. Right? I think last week they were talking about the mustached bouncer who's been around since 2014. And this week they're talking about a kind of telegram bot uh, scamming community uh, that's been around since 2015. And so they came up with the name of Telecopie. Uh, it's they called it, I'm quoting, a portmanteau of telegram and, and copie, which is the Russian word for spear. So it's, it's very, these are targeted because uh, they're targeting specific individuals that are in these telegram channels um, that are buying and selling things to try to uh, get in between them and their money. <laughs> Do you think that, so, that, you know, the targets here, um, it's primarily a, a Russian target then, or is the victimology more in Europe uh, as it stands now, the victimology is primarily Russia, uh, in okay. Russia. And, you know, you can see lots of targeting in there. Like they're targeting like Spurbank and Yandex and, yeah. you know, other other Russian uh, businesses that they're kind of in the region. So they, they kind of use that. But it's, you know, these are things where you could swap out those logos because it's a lot of like sophisticated fishing kits and, um, you know, things that deploy spots for you to pop in credit cards. And it, you know, does a really good job of that, clearly. And that's for, yeah. you know, going on uh, eight or nine years now. Gotcha. Do, do you use online marketplaces, you know, within the United States? No, I no, not not to this extent. Absolutely no. No, I, it is Amazon, I guess. Uh, it I is guess in the U.S. marketplace. That would that might count. <laughs> I uh, I just ask because sometimes I'll try to get something on a marketplace, and I'm like, I think I'll know that it's a scam if somebody tries to answer me back. Because <laughs> I found like I, you know, I'm like I'm interested in such and such thing, and then I just nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like okay, I guess. Uh, you don't want my money, so maybe if somebody answers me back, like that's like kind of like a red flag. <laughs> yeah, I will say, you know, they do have plugins for eBay here and Blah Blah Car, so those are like out of market for for. I mean, obviously they're in market too, um, potentially for eBay at least <laughs> yeah. uh, back in the day. But uh, you know, so it wasn't necessarily anything native to Russia, but I think that's just where their victims again culturally they've been able to victimize those folks and that's you know where they've had their development get pushed towards gotcha so um, today i learned oh. there's a platform called blah blah car <laughs> right wow you know it's funny i was i was gonna skate over that because i was like i'm sure everybody knows about that except for me so <laughs> <laughs> maybe our european listeners may be a little more familiar <laughs> i like i like it though blah blah car <laughs> So, so what exactly does this toolkit do? Like, how, do, how does it operate? Yeah, so a few things. One, it's got a lot of like levels in terms of access for the folks that are using it. Um, so you have folks that are on the admin side of things uh, that do more of the uh, like technical work, right? So the building the templates for kind of trying to intercept credit card payments and things like that. And then you have folks who are, the scammers, right? And in this case, they, the folks that they scam, uh, the the group here calls them mammoths. So the ESET team here calls these scammers Neanderthals. It's the folks who try to take down the mammoths. So, uh, you know, you have these Neanderthals at a couple of levels and they can come in and they don't have to be technical. They just need to be able to scam folks out of these different online forums or, um, you know, again, telegram channels for buying and selling things or uh, different marketplaces that they can spoof. 
Uh, and so those folks get in, get access to the platform, can find a target um, doing their own scamming legwork, and then develop the fish kit that is needed for the target based off of the specific platform and or method of interdiction that they're using. So on, on some levels, they're going to try to target folks uh, with fake items. And in some levels, they may try to target, uh, you know, folks with fake purchases and, and everything kind of in between. So, um, you know, there's it's a modular platform. So there's kind of modules for building out um, different landing pages um, and for, you know, taking payments. There's a whole section on how the scammers get paid. So they're getting a cut of uh, what they scam. Everything gets laundered through um, you know, various various cryptocurrency exchanges. And, you know, when they hit a certain level of scamming, they start to get paid out. Um, so there's, you know, a lot of thoughts, real mechanization of the technical side of this scamming, right? So you may have a lot of folks who are maybe very smooth talkers in these regions, but probably couldn't put together like a fake invoice that quickly. Uh, but these uh, this platform really allows those folks to level up. Gotcha. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you about the payment operation of this. So um, so you'd mentioned that the attackers uh, are called the Neanderthals. Um, so is is this process of of payment different than than we've seen elsewhere? Like it's it does seem a little complex, like maybe unnecessarily so. But but is that, you know, w would you say that's kind of just par for the course? I think on this angle, it's it's how these technical folks that build out the the bots and the channels here want to interact with the scammers. So they want to have multiple levels in between them, right? They have yeah. folks that they consider high reputation, higher reputation than others in terms of their little scamming world. Um, and so this just provides a way for them to automate this whole process um, and then scale out their operations. Got it. Um, do you do you think there's are there any recommendations on on how a potential mammoth could avoid being spearfished by neanderthals they have a few the thing is it's this thing is very uh i'll say this this uh telecopier is uh is sophisticated they can do sms phishing uh they do image manipulation so they have a render bot that can uh mangle images so you can't cross-reference them easily meaning you can't reverse image search with like 10i or, or yandex yandex actually had a really good one of those uh you know it can create fake images as well uh to make it look like a shipping label uh and so you know they're there's a lot going on. There's, they even said there are experimental features that maybe not be in full use today, but things like QR code support or fully functioning fake check generation. Uh, so the stuff they're working on now. Uh, and yeah, you know, I think the in terms of tips is more, hey, don't you know, don't do your purchasing in these unofficial channels. Um, you know, obviously try to do business offline wherever possible uh and yeah don't, don't believe anything you're getting from a telegram channel for sure <laughs> <laughs> well is there anything else that uh you want to leave our, our listeners with from from this article any other key takeaways you know the other thing is like hey the easiest way to tell is looking at the language too but i do think that that may not be uh great advice you know six months from now a year from now gotcha all yeah. right well i think uh there's this article goes you know very in depth it's a it's a great it's a great read um so i would definitely suggest it to our listeners if they haven't checked it out already we'll link it in our show notes but this does uh lend us uh nicely to the next part which is you know our, giving this our hoodie rating and if you are a newer listener um our hoodie rating 
uh, is what we do at the end of um, every discussion uh, where, you know, if we're talking about a potential threat um, or a threat in execution, we, we say, you know, how dangerous it is, it is on a scale of one to 10 hoodies, one being not very bad and 10 being uh, your hair is on fire. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Tim, I'll ask you after, you know, having heard, heard about this, uh, from Taylor, uh, what would you give, uh, as your hoodie rating? This scam seems like it's pulling together, you know, a lot of capabilities that we've been seeing coming along for a while. Um, and the AI generated, uh, images and the reverse image search evasion and so forth, um, definitely have the potential to, uh, to be disruptive. I think this particular campaign, you know, is, is as yet not incredibly broad in its reach. So I'm going to say three hoodies for now. However, um, it's, I think it's a sign of things to come that are going to be more hoodies than that. And, I will say that I, um, like I've become incredibly, uh, wary of any kind of, um, alerts that I get around package delivery and purchases and that kind of thing. Like last week, um, I received something that in fact was totally legit, but I had gotten these SMS texts, uh, from a source that I didn't recognize talking about the package being you know, in, in progress and on the way and stuff. And I deleted them. I did not click into them at all. And I figured, well, if this is something I ordered, it's just going to get here when it gets here and that's fine. And if it's not, then good. I avoided the potential scam. But um, so three for this one, but a lot more hoodies down the road for some of the capabilities that are, you know, really getting exercised now. That's totally fair. Uh, Taylor, uh, what what about you? Are you uh, in alignment with Tim? Yeah, I think we're pretty close. I, I was going to go three point one four hoodies. I see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I thought you know round numbers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of the interesting parts of this, they do register a lot of phishing domains for these campaigns, so we're able to take a look at. Um, you know, some of the indicators they shared and go hunting and find, you know, there's, there's more to this as a little broader, um, but certainly still targeting uh, that same region. So that's why in terms of hoodie rating, relatively low, the stakes are kind of small uh, for the most part here, but the tactics that are getting used are uh, extraordinarily sophisticated for the stakes, right? So it's, um, you know, it just seems like that's uh, uh, when that gets leveraged in higher stakes situations on a regular basis as well. That that's going to be trickier for us to defend against. Especially, yeah, especially like if we're talking business email compromise, I could yeah. just see like you know this you know generative image of you know shipping labels you know within a company or a vendor working with another company. Like that's going to be very difficult to to navigate. It'll be interesting for sure, uh, <laughs> challenging, right? So, but I, I think that's what makes it. That's what that's what caught my attention here. Were the kind of more sophisticated features that were you could kind of see where this thing, you know, and it's been around since 2015. So that's mm -hmm. always interesting. Something that's gone on for this long in terms of a successful scam is, um, I think, you know, worth examining. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you, Taylor, uh, for for sharing this article with us. Um, 
We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more Breaking Badness. Stay tuned. Hey, Breaking Badness listener, Tim here from the crew, hoping you're squeezing every last bit of enjoyment and relaxation that you can out of the summer. I think I can hear the ocean breeze from here. So anyway, we hope you enjoy listening to the show as much as we enjoy making it. And if you do enjoy it, well, we hope you might consider doing us a tip-top sort of favor and leaving a five-star rating and a review of Breaking Badness on your favorite podcast platform. Maybe even more importantly, if you're enjoying the show, why not take a few moments and tell a friend or two about it? We would be much obliged. And now, on with the episode. Taylor, did you see the Barbie movie? Nope. No. Nope. Oh, there's like a line in there where uh, Ken is like, I'm going to play guitar at you now. Yeah. <laughs> He's right. It's the best way to do it. Uh, Just chase my kids around the house. a lot of great moments. I do need to see it. I, 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 I don't have anything. Else. I, I don't see any movies. I, my, I just don't have time with the kids, but um, that is on my list. I might yeah. go see it again tomorrow. Really? It's worth a double watch. I have, well, I've heard several people say that. By the it's way. okay. It that. is really good. And, yeah. and, and, and Tuesday is cheap Tuesday. So the production values looked awesome. I say the way they did like the physical sets and everyone's costumes and stuff look like right. absolutely Plus, perfect. Right. Li- um, very little CGI apparently. So yeah. like a lot of that was physical. Yeah. They used, call them practical I, effects. Mm hmm. Yeah, I love that, right? Um, yeah. That stuff just, I think, for, especially for a toy, a physical toy, to do a bunch of CGI for that is just like, well, what are you even doing here? You might as well, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. We, we're going to get into uh, to the next part of our of our episode here where uh, we're going to talk about um, I Get the Mist of It, which is uh, a pun <laughs> I am very proud of. I was like, <laughs> what, what? <laughs> yes well done there's just like sometimes like you just have to entertain yourself <laughs> i'm my own best entertainment um but but the but the nist of this article is uh the publication of the first draft pqc post-quantum cryptography uh standards opens a 90-day period for public comment and paves the way for interoperability testing Oh boy. It's uh, <laughs> like, Tim, you could not have picked a more complex article. <laughs> or it felt complex to me. Our well, listeners, probably not so much. <laughs> oh, I don't know. The, if you start to peel back uh, what is actually going on here with quantum computing, it becomes pretty complex. Okay. So I'm on a journey with other people then. And it's that's, a journey. And that's yeah. cool. That's totally cool. Well, good. So NIST, which is the National Institute of Standards and Technology, uh, very recently published three of the four algorithms the standards body selected last year. So my question to you is, why is this such an important milestone? Well, uh, the importance of this has to do with a train that we've seen coming down the old cryptographic track for some time now with... RSA and elliptical curve uh, encryption being the damsels tied to the rails. So the notion that quantum computing renders current encryption algorithms endangered species, 
let's see how many metaphors I can mix here <laughs> as I get going. Uh, because breaking current encryption with standard computing would take many years, thousands of years in some cases, um, but it'll be able to be done in trivial amounts of time with quantum computing, so relatively speaking. So like there's an estimate that a sufficiently large and fault-tolerant system could break RSA in 104 days of compute time, which may sort of seem like a long time to wait, but A, it's not. Uh, when you consider what's nope. actually been being done, and B, uh, that number obviously will shrink as quantum platforms mature. By the way, as an aside, I love the names of these algorithms, especially two of them. So they are Crystals Kyber, Crystals Dilithium, and Sphinx Plus. So Ooh. the the fact that we're going to actually be using dilithium crystals uh, and Kyber crystals, you know, is uh, <laughs> is pretty great. Even if those are just talking about math. Uh, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so shout out on that naming. <laughs> that is cool. I I love that naming. I also loved all the metaphors you used. <laughs> <laughs> Mix them up any day. Um, <laughs> so in this article, it's noted that the release of the draft standard opens 90 days for public comment. So what sort of feedback are they hoping to receive from the public massive trolling obviously. that's what yeah that's what i was and imagining arguments <laughs> you know it'll all come down to thanks obama thanks biden uh of course it'll devolve to the, the lowest common denominator no my assumption is that there's a pretty small population of humans that are qualified to provide meaningful technical feedback on these algorithms there just aren't that many top flight crypto cryptographers to begin with or people who can pronounce cryptographer. Uh, and then you take the slice of those who are able to work with the kinds of algorithms that are under review here. And that's just not a huge population of people. But, you know, as with any standards, they definitely want more sets of eyes on these to find any potential weaknesses or compatibility issues or whatnot that the developers of the algorithms have not identified so far. So, yeah, it's safe to say a lot of fairly nerdy folks are the ones they're hoping will provide meaningful commentary on these. Well, do those, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that the people who are most qualified to, to talk about this have, are probably following it pretty closely. Yeah. I yeah. Think so, so, yep. so they can, they can provide their feed. Like they don't have to hope necessarily that people would provide that sort of feedback. They're, they're probably going to. This isn't one of those things where all of us need to go and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and weigh in on it. We need to write a letter. Yeah, that's right. We don't need to write a letter about this. Good, good. My mom can stand down. That is her. That's her, that's her first thing when she's upset. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. My write... mom used to write a doozy of a letter. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She's she, my mom too. She's just like she's like I'm gonna write a letter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So these draft standards mean that engineers can now start working on prototypes of various capabilities, like how to secure email and the implementation of TLS um, that might work in the future. So why is this so important? And why couldn't they you know, start these prototypes before these draft standards were released? Right. So, well, Kelly, I would say that it's not a huge stretch to say that a lot of how society works presently is tied very closely to the integrity of secure communications online, which is to say, uh, essentially, 
unbreakable cryptography. Just talking about the brute force attacking on the algorithms, not about running password dumps and dictionary attacks and social engineering and all those kinds of things, but actually breaking the uh, algorithms themselves. So once the current cryptography standards are not safe to use, either we're going to have new ones that are safe to use or we're going to have some major problems. So it really is uh, like that train coming at us, right? We're just going to go back to writing everything down. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sometimes, some days it feels like that's the, the right way to go. Uh, the avian, um, what is it? The avian message uh, transmission um, that RF, product, yeah, yeah, yeah. RFC that's <laughs> well, out there. Yeah, that's going to be we can, actually. That's going to be real. We can write stuff down and then just, you know, eat it. You know, like it's going to be very niche uh, reference to like Alexander Solzhenitsyn, I believe, wrote like in a gulag, wrote a book and memorized the book by writing something every day and then eating it. Wow! So he that's really what, ate his words on that one. He sure did. <laughs> so, all right. So anyway, this really is like that old train that's coming toward us, right? The sooner we can get started on real world implementation of the post-quantum crypto algorithms, the safer we're going to be from all getting run over by the 310 to Yuma. Um, and why couldn't they start uh, before the draft standards were released? Uh, it's because you... You don't know what you're, you don't have the building materials, essentially, um, that you gotcha. need to start, start working on these things. So, yeah, so this is a very important milestone, basically. So the contractors just got the building materials three months or at later. Least, no, at least they, at least they got the specs for the building materials, and now they can start drawing up the blueprints. Okay. Lots of metaphors in mm. this particular article. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But I'm into it. Um, so competitors and this article had referenced that, you know, competitors and friends are coming together to ensure their reading on the standards match. And, you know, I was wondering, you know, how often do competitors come together to ensure agreeability on these matters? Well, whenever they're sufficiently freaked out, uh, <laughs> but also when they're, uh, whenever their place in the ecosystem is under threat. So any, if you think about how this could work, any one organization could win the horse race. Uh, metaphor count, anyone? Anyway, uh, but <laughs> if they're the only ones at the dance, it's not much of a dance because uh, as much as the big players like Google and Microsoft and Apple and the ones that you would expect, right, would love to just have a lock on everything computing, they don't. Uh, interoperability is fundamental. Uh, it's part of the, the bedrock of how online society works. And so they have to, they have to interoperate. Um, and I also think that among the Western nations, uh, all of these companies that are commercial competitors recognize that they have a competitor in common, which is China. So a certain amount of the cooperation that we're seeing is acknowledging that in some respects, all of these different companies are in the same boat. That makes sense, for sure. Um, so there's a debate on when quantum computing capabilities could service could surface. Um, some say, you know, within the next decade, and others say, you know, way sooner. Do Do you have thoughts on that? 
Yeah, we'll have to see what the Vegas odds makers are saying. But first of all, <laughs> hey, I will say that there is. <laughs> Speaking of Vegas odds makers uh, and, and uh, crypto companies, do you remember Crown Sterling, Tim? Oh my gosh, I saw their booth uh, a couple years ago. Was that back a in, black hat? Back in 2019, they were right across from us. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Go Google that if you want to be yeah. amused. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to Google that because I wasn't there. <laughs> oh yeah, it was a it was a big uh, a big empty <laughs> nothing basically. Oh. And when you think about how expensive booths are at Black Hat, um, yeah, they spend a lot of money on nothing. I think my so, favorite were the fake security guys in the suits and the little earpieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, I mean. You could get away with that gimmick if you actually had a product, but yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe having a product is overrated. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> so to get back to your question, Kelly, about when this stuff is actually going to surface. So the, we have to acknowledge some very big unknowns, which are uh, the national security level of efforts, uh, the government research and whatnot that's going on by the major powers. So you're not going to hear as much about how far along they are. This is a very strategic technology. Um, now, the private sector companies, of course, want to sell these things and they will, um, they will reveal a little bit more about what's going on to, you know, in some respects, as far as a, uh, um, just kind of showing off. Right. So, um, IBM, as one example, released a quantum computing roadmap earlier this summer, uh, which looks out to 2026. And uh, by that time, their aim is to get to the scale of 10,000 to 100,000 qubits in the processor. And so to put that in perspective, most of the processors that are being produced now, these experimental machines and whatnot, they're in the range of a few dozen qubits, um, up to maybe maybe a couple hundred. And the qubit, everybody, for anybody that doesn't know, that's the fundamental unit of quantum computing. So it's analogous to the bit in regular computing. Um, so IBM now, says, yeah. What's the difference between a qubit and a qubert? I know. It always makes me think of qubert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost, I, like, I literally almost see that game yeah, when I when I say qubit. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, IBM says they've developed their first quantum safe mainframe system that employs uh, quantum safe cryptography. They call it the Z16. Um, so within the next decade or sooner, I mean, if I'm pedantic, anything within the next decade is sooner. Um, but yes, I think we're looking at sometime within the next 10 years. There's a lot of speculation about China, maybe even as far as that they are in some ways using quantum computing now, I think that's premature, but in October of 2022, just to give you a sense of the magnitude of what this means, a Chinese team did report that uh, it's light-based Zhuzhang 2 processor, I probably pronounced that all wrong, um, could complete a task in, a, in one millisecond that a conventional computer would require 30 trillion years to finish. Uh, there was an article in Defense One about that. So now these speed stunts are not the same as practical application. Um, and the machines that we're seeing in development 
right now are really platforms that it's a bootstrapping process. They're platforms for solving the problems right now that are standing in the way of practical quantum computing. They're not the platforms that somebody's going to go out and buy and, and start doing applied work on them. So there's still some physics problems that have to be overcome essentially. But from what I'm reading, it does look like not a whole lot of years as far as we can tell. Um, one thing that I noticed in the article was that Adi Shamir, who's famous as being the S in RSA, mm. thinks he thinks we're still about 30 years out from this. But uh, he is, I think, regarded as a bit of an outlier uh, among the major pundits on quantum computing. So nobody really knows, but um, not terribly long. Got it. So the NSA had issued an order mandating government agencies to ensure uh, their systems are migrated to the NIST-selected quantum-resistant algorithms by 2035. So what are what would the ramifications be for not migrating? So the NSA wants everyone to move to the NISTY mountains. <laughs> NISTY mountain majesty. Would that be in a NISTY mountain hop? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Get out that guitar. Uh, <laughs> Well, Callie, this depends on how right I am in my prediction uh, that I was just talking about, about the timing. So if practical quantum computing with RSA busting power, TM, is available uh, sufficiently widely before 2035, if they held to that, uh, that exact timeline, then, well, we need a radical rethinking of electronic security paradigms back to eating paper and sending it around on birds and whatnot, because... Uh, what can't happen is that we live for a while in a world where encrypted transmissions can routinely be cracked. Uh, the implications on national security and economic stability and privacy and a whole ton of other issues are pretty grim to contemplate if that happened. So, you know, it's kind of like if you had a planet, imagine this, if you had a planet that was good for sustaining life and then you just started burning everything and heating up that planet to the point where it would become unlivable, uh, and not doing anything about it until it was too late. Obviously, that's kind of far-fetched. Oh, wait. Oh, uh, oh Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, they. I, I don't know if 2035 is a realistic and good time frame for this because nobody, again, can totally predict when um, crypto crypto busting quantum computers are going to be out there and working, but. 2035 feels a little far. Like that makes me a little nervous. But what do I know? I'm just a podcaster. <laughs> We're just up here in our podcast ivory tower. <laughs> <laughs> our, uh, our ivory booth, our ivory sound booths. That's right, our ivory studio. Well, well thanks, Tim, for, for walking us through this. Uh, this is one of those articles where... I'm not necessarily sure it's a hoodie rating, but I'm not sure it's a goodie rating either. No, this is a goodie rating. I think. I mean, yeah? you know, I you think, think it's, it's a good. It's, you think it's a goodie rating? In terms oh, yeah. of getting folks together to yeah. aligning on this, yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Taylor. So, but I will give so. my goodie rating. It is both ten goodies and zero hoodies at the same time. Ten until, goodies until, and until, zero it, hoodies at the same time until we directly observe it. All right. That's right. <laughs> Schrodinger's goodies. Uh, Tim, do you feel the same way? That's that's the best answer. I mean, how can I, how do I follow that? Um, you can't. 
I can't. <laughs> right. It's I think pretty... it is worth asking, like, what does it look like? What would it look like if someone had broken this? Right. Someone could break ours. What would that? That's an no, interesting. No, I don't want to look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's too scary. It is, right? But it is like, okay, well, you know, uh, it's it's a fun thing to think about. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, this is interesting because um, on the one hand, the idea of computers powerful enough to just routinely break our current encryption is scary. But on the other hand, again, it's like what's going on right now is it's like the old, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the other guy. It's, it's other aspects that are allowing, um, the integrity of private, you know, encrypted transmissions to be broken all the time because passwords are guessable because yep. people are socially engineerable. Yep. So, I, I don't think it necessarily, like, we're not in, it doesn't make any sense to pretend that we're in a Nirvana type place right now from the perspective of crypto being uh, imperfect for protecting us online. Um, but I, th I do think this is still really important. And uh, I'll give it a, I'll, I'll give it a good solid five goodies, which I think is, nice. is respectable. Crypto means cryptography. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm going to get a t-shirt. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Tim. Uh, I appreciate you uh, sharing this with us. Um, how about we move into our last segment of the show, which is uh, gold guidance and grievances? Let's do Woo. that. Yeah. So again, if you are a newer listener... Well, first of all, thanks for listening. Uh, and uh, gold guidance and grievances, uh, it's pretty much uh, how it sounds. We'll, uh, Taylor and Tim will share uh, any anything they find really, you know, good uh, about, you know, it could be about the industry. It could be about, you know, whatever they find uh, interesting right now that's, that's you know, considered pretty, pretty good. Uh, and that's our gold. And then guidance is any advice they might have uh, for our listeners. And then, of course, grievances, again, speaks for itself. It's, you know, anything that you've got to gripe with. And again, could be within the industry, could just be in general. Um, but I like hearing it either way. Um, so we started. Uh, so, Tim, you just went with your article. How about, Taylor, we start with you. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Gold. This is an interesting look at a gold. <laughs> I think it's gold, but <clears throat> two of the lapsus hackers were convicted in London. I mean, they were teenagers, uh, but I think getting securing convictions uh, in a legal system, getting evidence, uh, you know, getting folks, uh, you know, show, showing a blueprint for how to prosecute folks for these types of things is always good. So I want to celebrate that. Um, to, to, to guidance uh developers 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 you are being targeted uh there was a, a blog from the phylum.io folks there's a bunch of rust malware that was staged on crates.io that was you know looked to be targeting developers and also in the, the python ecosystem there's a ton of stuff that's targeting folks there as well so um you know all, always good to keep your head on a swivel there grievances uh the dns research foundation uh, i saw this in in the, the chat today uh they they just they posted a little report that said Gen Z lives online, but 74% of 18 to 24 year olds do not know what DNS is. Heartbreaking. <laughs> so I grieve. I grieve for yes. DNS. <laughs> yes. Light a candle. 
the youths. Oh boy. Kids these days. In <laughs> 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 my day, we had to talk to the recursive resolvers ourselves, and it was uphill both ways. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. We had to handwrite the queries. Um, what about you, Tim? What about your gold guidance and grievances? I always did want to want to make a website, by the way, by uh, writing the writing the HTML out on a napkin and then OCR scanning it and putting that up and having that be the, the website. But uh, my gold this week is um, a good use of AI where uh, California firefighters are training AI to detect wildfires. So there uh, is a extensive network of cameras out there that are looking at wildlands. And right now, humans, a lot of humans, are basically staring at screens all day uh, to detect signs of early fires. And there are some really promising results with this AI scanning all of these images and spotting the, the smoke uh, while the fires are still relatively small. So that's kind of cool. I mean, we're de dealing with extensive wildfire problems. And of course, I, I assume that, um, you know, if this technology proves as good as it's looking, uh, that we'll ship it up to Canada because <laughs> they're obviously going to need it there. Um, I, would, I would like that very much because we I actually know a guy <laughs> who happened to be looking at a camera that was up in the um, kind of a mountainous area of Washington state. And by pure happenstance, he saw a fire starting a uh, wildfire starting and he got in touch with the authorities and that you know it led to a, a good response on that wildfire and um so we need to it's great that there are so many again this is like ironic it, this is one case where i'm really glad there are a lot of cameras out there <laughs> mostly i'm not <laughs> happy about that but in this in this example i am um cameras on lookout towers looking over big sections of forest are okay with me so that's my gold. Uh, my guidance, well, a little less fun. Um, people got to start masking up again. Uh, it does look like there's at least one new variant of COVID that is spreading pretty rapidly. And a lot of people got COVID at and a little after some hacker summer camp this year. Not to mention the outbreak of Legionnaire's disease that I just read about today at a couple of the hotels Wait, around. Wait, what? Uh, Wait, go, yeah, yeah, go back, go back. <laughs> Caesar, if you stayed at, which we didn't, but if you stayed at Caesar's Palace or what was the other one? I forget what the other one was. Um, one of the other hotels that I also happily did not stay at. Uh, there has been a reported outbreak of Legionnaire's disease. So that's that could also be, I don't know. Not, not exactly a grievance. Maybe, oh, a grie yeah, maybe it is a grievance. The legionnaires were at Caesar's Palace. Yeah, <laughs> they shouldn't have gone there. Um, no, that's that's just kind of scary. But anyway, yeah, COVID, you know, still with us. So yeah. masks, probably a good idea in large gatherings. And my grievance uh, is around, I alluded to this um in my gold, which is just the AI surveillance on people and the latest things that have come across my desk um, that bother me are a, a UK proposal, um, which will p 
potentially violate some privacy laws, so that's interesting. And then uh, I just read an article about uh, our own Department of Homeland Security, which has a scanning tool looking at sentiment and emotion uh, in online communications to uh, target people. So hmm. I, I, uh, I'm not too crazy about any of that. So there's surveillance, not just surveillance capitalism, but the surveillance state is uh, a state that I'm not happy about, but I guess I live in it. Well, maybe we should flip the order. We should, like, yeah. You know, grievances, <laughs> guidance, and gold, so that we end on a happy note. We really should, because um, when we don't, then I don't know. I, I like I, you know, it's it's hard to be like, okay, that's great. I, that's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have a great week. You know. <laughs> Um, yeah, we should flip it. Um, for sure. We'll do that next time. Maybe just so we can't, we can't leave like this. <laughs> and next time is going to be in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, because, uh, you know, we've got, um, our, we've got a guest, uh, next week. Uh, I, should, should I just say the guest? I, I think or, you can say the guest. I, can, I don't think we. Yeah, I don't Dan, think it's under embargo. It's not. So so Daniel Schwalbe and I talked to um, Peter Lowe. Wow. Uh, maybe last week or the week before. Um, so so that episode's coming next week. So that will be our third guest that we've had within a month's time on Breaking Badness. So that's exciting. Guest of Palooza. Guest of Palooza. <laughs> yeah, and if you hadn't, if you. Are listening and you haven't listened to um, Alan Liska's episode, which was a couple weeks ago, um, talking about um, his comic book Johnny Dollar that's coming out in October. Um, that's a fun episode. And then um, Tim and I um, had the pleasure of talking with Tracy Mayleaf um, a little uh, earlier this month, aka Infosec Sherpa. Yes, aka yeah, you know her as Infosec Sherpa. So those are fun episodes. Definitely check those out. And then um, TBD, we've got a fourth guest coming. I don't want to reveal too much about that yet because it's very preliminary stages. But, you know, we're just, uh, you know, shooting baskets and making them with these guests. <laughs> they're always, they're fun to have. Uh, definitely a great episode. So that that's something to look forward to. Um yeah, but yeah, that, I think that's a be- that's a better way to end the episode. I like it. Yeah, I like, I like it, it too. Um, Taylor, do you want to play us off? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Next okay. time. Ne- okay. Sorry, a dog came over and got my attention. So. I- oh. Okay. <laughs> that's yeah. always that's nice. That's, that's a nice. Note that's a nice out. thing too. There you go. Yeah, the office mascot says says goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> oh yeah, I love your dog. <laughs> um, all right. Well, well. Thank you so much, Taylor and Tim. This it's always really fun talking to you both. I appreciate you coming with your insights. Thank you to our listeners for uh, for you know you're the reason we make the show. So thank you so much. And again, uh, you won't hear from the three of us next week. Uh, we will have that guest. Uh, but you know, please stay tuned for that episode. And we will be back in two weeks' time. So stay tuned and have a great rest of your week. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye, everybody.
That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.